So the census enumerator ended up counting 26 to 27 people um, in 2010. And with the previous knowledge that I had, it was just, okay, we got, we all got counted. But with the knowledge I have now, I know that that secured over $200,000 in federal funding for District 12. It's a short survey, and we're saying it's, it's 10 minutes that will affect the next 10 years. Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. My name is Sam Woods, and if you're like me being a good citizen by sitting at home all day and practicing social distancing, you might be feeling a little disconnected with the world. I know I'm finding it more difficult to feel civically engaged from my living room, but today we bring you an action step that, in the words of one of today's guests, takes less than 10 minutes, but affects the next 10 years. That action step is, of course, filling out the census. Now, most of you should have received a census in the mail already, but some may still be wondering what it is and if it even matters. The short answer is that yes, it definitely exists and it definitely matters. The census is a survey sent from DC that counts the country's population household by household. The census takes only a few minutes for most to complete, but affects a ton of political things like redrawing congressional districts, but it also affects social programs that we take for granted every day, such as Head Start, school lunch programs, and grants to fix the potholes that many Milwaukeeans know far too well. To help explain what the census is and why it matters, we brought on Matt Dannenberg, the census director at Wisconsin Voices, and Yuseli Flores, who is also with Wisconsin Voices as their census and training manager. Now, this is not an election special, but if you're listening to this as it comes out, there is an election on April 7th. As of now, the election is still on with a reduced number of voting sites in Milwaukee. I know this election cycle has been wild with all the changes of where and how you can vote, but if you are able to vote, please do so. If you've requested absentee, make sure the state gets you your ballot. If you are unable to request absentee, find your nearest polling place at myvote.we.gov, that's myvote.wi.gov, and make plans to vote if you feel safe doing so. I won't pretend this is an ideal situation or that I myself am not frustrated how things have turned out, but there are still items on the ballot that will affect life in Milwaukee and Wisconsin for years to come, so for those who are able, please vote. Really quickly though, if you want to stay up on how you can best get involved in your Milwaukee community, subscribe to us from wherever you get your podcasts to get new episodes dropped into your feed every week. If you like what we're doing and want to support our work, consider becoming a patron of ours on Patreon. For just $4.14 a month, you help us stay on the air at 104.1 Riverwest Radio every other Sunday and help us keep up on our equipment needs. We're still all volunteers here at Bridges City, but your support makes it easier for us to keep building the Bridges City community. So while you're hopping on to Patreon to help support our work and logging on to myvote.we.gov to figure out how you're going to vote, I'll let Matt Denenberg from Wisconsin Voices take it away. Dannenberg. I'm the census director here at Wisconsin Voices, uh, aka uh, my alter ego, Captain uh, Census. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel super passionate about the census and this work because it really is about um, making sure that everyone is visible in our democratic process. And uh, as a member of the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Chippewa, mm-hmm. doing civic engagement work with tribal communities all across the state. The census is the fundamental building block of our democracy where everyone is counted, every person 
matters. So to get involved and take on this role is a tremendous amount of work, but mm-hmm. a lot of fun. And I want to make sure that everyone is counted. Every voice matters and uh, that every American's getting the you know federal dollars they deserve and the representation that mm-hmm. they deserve. Just really quick here, Matt, people don't generally grow up like loving the census, you know, mm-hmm. like when you were a kid, was it, did, did you know about like, how did you, how did this passion about the census come about? Yeah, no, that's a great question because uh, 10 years ago in 2010, I was a uh, undergraduate student at UW-Madison and I'm, I'm not sure what happened in the census then. Um, uh, it's a big focus of our work this time around that families are creating plans with their college students to know um, whether or not they're, they're counting them and to make sure that they are counted because I don't know if my roommate threw the census form away or the landlord filled it out or what happened. So um, making sure that our uh, you know college students in the state uh, have their plan to make sure that they're counted at their universities is a, yeah. a big focus. Yeah. So this is probably going to be the toughest question of, of the whole thing, but you mentioned the the census is very old. It goes all the way back to the 1790. 1790. Yes. I was like, okay, constitution. Yeah. All right. Um, 1790 census is very old in about one minute. Can you give a, a historical and kind of like national viewpoint of what the census is? Yeah. So uh, it's been going on uh, every 10 years since 1790. It's uh, mandated by the Constitution Mm -hmm. to make sure every person within the country uh, is counted. And this is done uh, so that um, the federal government can allocate dollars for uh, really critical programs like school lunches, uh, Pell Grants, uh, Medicaid, Mm -hmm. very important things for our people. Uh, It's also done to uh, see where population shifts are happening so that we can have accurate political representation. So we want to know how we're going to be drawing district lines in 2021. And that is all determined based Mm -hmm. on uh, census data that uh, the Bureau will be releasing back to the states Mm -hmm. and state demographers uh, to um, let folks know where the population shifts have happened so we can have uh, accurate political representation. All right, perfect. And you mentioned the Bureau, but can you go a little bit back into uh, who the Bureau is? Like, who is using the census? Who's collecting this data? Where's this data going? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, the Bureau uh, is, you know, collecting this data. Um, and I've just been learning with every public <laughs> discussion mm-hmm. that I have uh, how many people interact with census data. Yeah businesses, hospitals, school districts, uh, governments uh, use this in planning. Um, you know, oh, do we need a hospital in this neighborhood or do, should we need to keep this funded? Where do we need to shift our resources and plan based on where population shifts are happening? Not only does the census happen every 10 years, but the Bureau also conducts the American Community Survey every year. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, 3 million random households around the country get that survey. And something that I want everyone to know is even though the citizenship question is off of the dicennial census, Mm -hmm. it is still going to be on the American Community Survey. So if you're one of those three million households, um, they're still asking the question on there, Mm -hmm. uh, something that I, I recently learned. Um, but there's even longer, um, and more questions on the American community survey that, um, you know, allow, um, us to do some sampling and, and, uh, be able to estimate how the next census is going to go. Um, you know, they ask a lot of really important questions. How many people are renting versus owning for mm-hmm. purposes of planning mm-hmm. and, um, being able to plan for the, like the future economy. Yeah. So what kind of questions are asked on the survey? So like when the administrator comes mm-hmm. to a census 
Enumerator. Enumerator. When the enumerator comes to my door, Mm -hmm. what's going to be asked? Yeah. Uh, So there's a a few questions. It's a short survey, and we're saying it's it's 10 minutes that will affect the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's a it goes by the head of the household and then how each person in the head of household is uh, in relationship to them. So mm-hmm. this is the first census. I believe that there is, um, are you in relationship in a same sex relationship with uh, the head of household or not? Um, mm-hmm. so they're including that this time around. Um, so they have uh, gender on there and it is only binary male and female, mm-hmm. uh, renters or homeowners. Um, then they have, uh, two-part race question um which is unfortunate it should be one part but the first part is if you are of hispanic origin or not and then the next question being are you american indian white black Mm -hmm. or uh asian american southeast Mm -hmm. asian um so the you know the bureau has kept that a two-part question uh even though um a lot of people are pushing for it to be a one-part question what's the reasoning for that why why one part instead of two uh, it, it seems to be kind of the evolution of, of that question. And with each census, uh, the Bureau is looking at how they can um, ask relevant questions. And their rationale is, you know, it's for tracking of, um, you know, the Voting Rights Act and other uh, civil rights protections. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, kind of been the evolution of that question. So maybe we'll see in 2030 mm-hmm. a simplified version of that and one that is um, culturally sensitive and mm-hmm. inclusive. Yeah. So um, what kinds of questions are not asked? You mentioned a citizenship question and really quickly, yes. like, what do you mean by a citizenship question? Mm-hmm. Um, as well as like what other questions are are not asked? Yeah. So uh, that the, you don't have to answer. Absolutely. So the citizenship question was something that um, the uh, Trump administration was pushing to be a part mm-hmm. of the uh, census this time around. And it is uh, after um, much debate is not going to be included. Uh, so that is uh, something we're really um, letting people know that no matter your citizenship status, you can participate in the census. Mm-hmm. And this is a huge, um, you know, a colleague of mine uh, we've hired on from, you know, uh, who's undocumented. You know, she uh, helped fill out the census for, you know, the people in her household and translated with the census enumerator mm-hmm. um, for her whole family at the age of 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's important uh, that no matter your citizenship status that you can participate in the census because, you know, the children of maybe uh, undocumented folks can take part in these federal programs. And so we want to make sure that um, all people are are counted. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, and the reason for that is because you mentioned like this comes back to funding that we get to that services that all people will use regardless of citizenship citizenship status. Absolutely. Um, And so, What's the timeline for the census? So right now at Wisconsin Voices, we're working to drum up excitement for the mm-hmm. census because this is going to be the first uh, high-tech digital census where you can fill it out online mm-hmm. starting March 12th. Okay. So the week of March 12th, they will send a letter with a unique ID to your to the household, and then you will use that to uh, go online or call in uh, and fill out the census. If you happen to misplace this, no problem. You can go online. Um, follow the directions and you can do it without that unique ID. Mm-hmm. But that is a, a practice in place for security. Yeah. Um, some households will get a paper form on the first mailing, but the rest of them will not. Uh, if you don't respond by mid-April, then they will send you a paper form the week of April 8th through the 16th in there. Um, the paper form is limited. It's only in English and Spanish. Um, 
there you can only fill it out up to 12 uh, people. So the online forms are, are beneficial. The doing it by form, uh, phone is beneficial. Um, if you lack broadband access, to try to do the phone method because you can include more people and answer all the questions. If you don't, uh, if you do the paper form, um, this bureau is going to come back and ask you the remainder of the questions for persons six through 12 that you weren't able to completely mm-hmm. fill out on the paper form. Mm-hmm. So if you want to avoid, you know, someone from the bureau coming to your house, fill it out online or by phone early. Yeah. That's what really you're pushing for. Yeah. So if I don't, if I don't answer online, if I don't answer by mail, who's, who is coming to my door? Is this like, like federal mm-hmm. agents coming to my door? Is it someone I know? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So is the, it, the bureau. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nope. So we, uh, one thing I might be clear about is Wisconsin Voices, we are not uh, affiliated with the, the census. Uh, we are just, uh, a, you know, we're a nonprofit that uh, wants to make sure every voice uh, is participating in our democracy. Gotcha. Uh but we uh, realize our role as a nonprofit is to really talk about the importance of it and mm-hmm. encourage people to participate. Mm-hmm. So we're working um, with the Bureau, though, on hiring folks from the community that, uh, you know, maybe uh, are bilingual, speak languages in the community, so that we are having trusted messengers go to the door. So if you don't fill it out by May 1st, then the enumerators or the canvassers mm-hmm. will be out with, uh, you know, census bags and, and badges mm-hmm. that they have to show you. Uh, and they will be out canvassing until July 31st or until we get a complete count. Uh, so um, if you don't respond by then, ex- expect someone from the Census Bureau to be coming. Um, they have to show you their credentials and uh, they will, you know, look the part of the Census Bureau. Mm-hmm. Why is this important to get right? And what are the consequences to undercounting or overcounting a, a, either an area or mm-hmm. a certain population or yeah uh so one of the things that really blew my mind as i was getting excited and learning more about the census Mm. was uh children uh, zero to four are often undercounted Mm. and these aren't from houses that where people aren't participating this is are from houses that participated but they just weren't sure they were supposed to count their kids uh so you know like i said with college students but then with these young kids maybe the grandparents are taking care of them Mm -hmm. whoever's um house they're spending majority of the time at um, maybe their parents are divorced, you know, having the, those parents talk through who's counting the kids on the census form so that no one gets missed uh, because that's 10 years then of their yeah. life that yeah. uh, they're missing out on funding for resources. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Other populations, you know, uh, the homeless, uh, there's a particular process for that uh, where the Census Bureau works really closely with cities and complete count committees mm-hmm. uh, to identify places where people uh, uh, who are experiencing homelessness are, and there's a literally a 24 hour window where, uh, on March 31st, they will go and count all the folks that are homeless, um, in one day. And then another day where they'll visit, uh, specific places like, um, the shelters or maybe amusement parks or RV parks, things like that. Uh, and then a, a third day where folks who are incarcerated, uh, they'll go in and do a, a count of folks at prisons and, that's one other unfortunate thing that didn't get fixed from the last census is that we currently count people where they are incarcerated, not uh, yeah. where they actually um, were living or intend to return to, which in Wisconsin law, your, you know, um, Wisconsin statute, the, your residence is the place you intend to return to. And most people don't intend on returning to prison. So um, we want to make sure that in the 2030 census, that that's something that's looked yeah. at. Matt, you mentioned that, Wisconsin Voices is going around educating the community about the census. 
What is one very common misconception or question you get often from community members? Mm. I guess the, the the biggest question that I get uh, when I'm out in the community is, you know, why does the census matter? Why does it matter? And and it really comes down to this uh, federal funding. And Wisconsin gets, you know, uh, in 2016 got 12.6 billion over fed, 55 federal programs. And I talked about this earlier, but it's Medicaid, it's school lunch, it's special education grants. Um, no matter what your issue is, uh, the census is, you know, nonpartisan. It's 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 about making sure that Wisconsin has an accurate count, that we have the congressional seats and the uh, state legislative seats and the local elected seats that we all deserve. So we have the representation, the advocates that can um, move policy and improve our society uh, through. Um, and so we got to make sure that, uh, one, um, we are filling it out completely. Uh, I get a lot of questions about, um, you know, what if I uh, skip a question and we actually, you shouldn't skip questions. Uh, there is uh, penalties for that. Uh now, whether or not the Bureau will have resources to do the follow-up and give you a phone call or send someone to your door, that is another question. We know that the, the Bureau is, has less federal resources. They're really counting on the digital uh, format to you know get more participation. But um, we sh- we're encouraging everyone to you know count everyone in your house, um, you know, fill it out as completely as possible. And if you need assistance, um, we're working uh, with local community uh, groups like 16th Street Health Clinics, uh, the libraries, where you can go in and get assistance um, in, in filling it out and get information and support in that. When you say count everyone in your household, if I'm if I'm pregnant, do I count my the expected child? It's um, everyone that is in the household as of April 1st, 2020. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. We covered a lot. Um, is there anything you want to make sure the listeners hear about the census? It's safe, it's secure, and it's you know all about the next 10 years. And honestly, the next generation uh, is going to be impacted by uh, your, uh, your decision to participate or not. So please uh, participate in the, the 2020 census and uh, make sure everyone in your household's counted because your community is counting on you. That was Matt Dannenberg, Census Director of Wisconsin Voices. You'll hear from Matt again at the end of the episode for his action steps, which of course include filling out the census. Now though, I want to turn to Yuseli Flores. Yuseli is the Census and Training Manager at Wisconsin Voices, who first got familiar with the census when she was only 13 and had to convince her family to fill out the census. Just doing this ended up securing hundreds of thousands of dollars for the South Side of Milwaukee over the last 10 years. Here she is. So my name is Yuseli Flores. I am the Civic and Field Manager for Wisconsin Voices. I currently transitioned from Canvas Training Manager to Civic and Field, and now I don't have a field to work in. So I'm back to step one, trying to figure out what my role at Wisconsin Voices is going to look like during the pandemic. Yeah, um, and originally we were the plan for this episode was to have to be in the field with you and get audio from on the ground from your work with Wisconsin Voices. Um, But as you mentioned, uh, we're in the middle of a global pandemic and we've had to make some adjustments. But I know your work with the census has 
you know, with Wisconsin Voices is like relatively new, but the census has been a part of your life since at least the last census. And I know you have a, a story of when the, the, the census kind of came to your door and you convinced uh, your family to, to take the census, to trust the census. Can you just, like, again, just tell that story? Yeah. So, yeah, I was 13 when I first got introduced to the census um, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, 2010. And Ms. Sheila Yarrington, my eighth grade history teacher, um, kind of reminded everybody with the, about the census. And she didn't go into detail. She just said, make sure you fill it out and make sure you encourage your family to fill it out. So <laughs> we go on you know, school break or whatever. And I just remember a census enumerator just coming to my door. And she had like a federal ID, like a federal badge. And my mom was super scared. So my parents and myself are undocumented and we just, mm-hmm. my mom just didn't want to open the door. And I think that's like normal for communities that, yeah, that come makes sense. from, you know, come from statuses where they're not really legal here in the U.S. And so I kind of convinced my mom to open the door. She called my dad and my dad was working and my dad was like, well, if you Sally's telling you to open the door, then you should just open the door. You should trust her. <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of trust for a 13-year-old kid, but whatever, we opened the door. I mean, it worked out, so. (laughs) And, you know, at that age, I was already the interpreter for my family. So whenever they got sick, they'd use 10-year-old me to interpret anything. Right, Um, right. So they kind of already, the trust was already built. And so we ended up opening the door. And at the time, um, I lived on 15th and Cleveland on the south side of Milwaukee, District 12. And... We lived in a house that had four bathrooms and it had 11 bedrooms and two kitchens. Mm -hmm. So what my dad did uh, when we first moved to Wisconsin, he gathered all of our family members that were living on this side of the U.S. and he gathered them all to live in that same house. And so at one point it was 21 adults and um, six children. So it was a a big group of us, a village basically. Yeah. And I mean, if you drive down 15th in Cleveland, that entire house takes up one block. Like it's a huge, it's a big house, oh, a big condominium. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was kind of nice. Like my mom would be the cook and then the other woman in the house would do the chores. And like, it was just a, like, I grew up uh, as an only child, but with the relatives and I never felt alone. I never got privacy. Um, and so that was 2010. So the census enumerator ended up counting 26 to 27 people um, in 2010. And now with the with the previous knowledge that I had, it was just okay. We got we all got counted. But with the knowledge I have now, I know that that secured over two hundred thousand dollars in federal funding for District 12. Um, it just with my role at Wisconsin Voices and everything I learned about the census. So that's kind of amazing because if you look at that house now, and it's 2020. Um, there's only yeah. three people living in that house now. So within a span wow. of 10 years, pe- people, you know, they filtered out, they moved out. We started there because that was an opportunity for people to save money. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like asked my dad if he knew like about the Black Panther Party and how Huey P and Bobby Seale were trying to convince other Black Panthers to kind of do a collective living spaces. And my dad was like, I don't know who those fools are. And he has all the right, right? <laughs> um, but I was able to kind of share with him, like, what you did was an, an act of, like, revolutionary self-care for all of our family members. Mm-hmm. Because everybody was able to save money for those 10 years to the point where they could all yeah. buy a house, where they could all buy their own wow. work vans. Like, they were contractors, and um, and they installed carpet all over Wisconsin. So collective living was the way. And, like, we, you know, we also mm-hmm. secured these $200,000 in District 12. And, like... 
obviously how that money is distributed amongst the district was the closest school to us was like Lincoln Avenue Elementary, you know, um, 16th mm-hmm. Street Clinic. Um, so it's kind of nice to see how in 2010, this money was distributed in that sense. But now it's 2020. And like I mentioned, there's only three people living in that household that I'm still connected to. And mm-hmm. instead of $200,000 this year, they're only securing 30 grand for that district. So when people say mm-hmm. that they don't fill out the census because Census Bureau already has this information, yeah, they might have the information, but it's not going to be accurate. There's not 27 people living right. on 15th Cleveland anymore. Right. Yeah. Like they, that's kind of the point of the census, doing the census every 10 years to kind of update those numbers. So now that updates their numbers, right? But you mentioned just you convincing your parents to open the door, secure $200,000 for District 12. Can you walk through like where like how you got to that number and like why is it why it was 200,000 then and only 30,000 um and like what kinds of things does money go that money goes to i mean you mentioned lincoln avenue school but can we talk a little bit more in detail about like what that money actually means for district 12 other than just like there's more money for district 12 yeah so um this is one of those things that as a 13 year old like i had no idea that i was securing federal right. funding i knew that we were do- getting yeah. a count and so um the way that we got these numbers, so within a span of 10 years, the federal government is supposed to redistribute over 600 to $800 billion. We don't have an mm-hmm. accurate number, but we like to say that it's 1600 to $1,800 per person per household. So every, one, every right. single person that fills out the census in Wisconsin secured $1,600 in that year. In a span of 10 years wow. per person, that just turned into $16,000. That one person just secured $16,000 in federal funding. So if you multiply the 16,000 times the amount of people that were living in my household, that's um, times 10 years, that's well over $200,000. So that's, that's, uh, yeah, so fill out the census. (laughs) census. (laughs) Basically, right? Like if you want federal funding to be redistributed back to the states accurately, you want to fill it out. That's the biggest thing is like people need to fill out the census and um, we can personify it as much as we want uh, using personal stories, but also just looking at what the most disproportionalized communities look like, right? It's people of color. It's Mm -hmm. communities that need it the most. And it's also people that don't trust the government. Um, Like that's one of the biggest things too, or people that think that the data is already there. Right. I I do want to be like, I do, I do think this should be said is like, that's that it is asking a lot for, I mean, in your case, asking a lot for like a 13 or person, a 13 year old person um, living in your household to convince like, Hey, you know, I know, I know how you feel about like people coming with a, coming to your door with a federal badge, but like, trust me on this one. Like these guys are the, like, these guys are the good guys. Um, (laughs) uh, And like, that's, so I mean it's I'm I'm just kind of like reflecting on the moment it's on, like my roommate just uh, filled out the census um, like it came to our house in the mail and he filled it out online um, on our behalf and it was super easy it was like three three minutes five minutes um, handing in like basic or like sending in like basic information um, nothing really no really story behind it other than what I just said um, but like as you as you mentioned like that secures dollars for our community right that was that was super easy for someone like us um but it like helps in a very real way but i did want to talk about like this like impact in the community so mentioned 1600 dollars um 
and I was like looking on the census's website and this money goes to um, a ton of different programs, right? The list just like goes on and on. But in general, things like school lunches get money from census um, data, um, yeah, local transportation time. grants. Yeah. Um, housing grants, like people complain about potholes all the time in Milwaukee. Well, like road construction and, and um, like road paving, road, uh, what's the word, road maintenance. Um, that comes from Saint, uh, census money as well. I mean, for some, for somebody who's a product of like Milwaukee public schools and mm -hmm. who got free school, like, you know, who qualified for free school lunch, like knowing that our schools lack, you know, we don't have the best lunch. Um, we did it like, we kind of like surveyed in 2016, we were trying to create a student bill of rights with an organization that I was working with for Milwaukee public schools and the Milwaukee teachers education association. And we surveyed, yeah. um, seven different high schools. And the biggest thing that everybody wanted to change, wanted to change was school lunch. And mm -hmm. when you lack the awareness that the census is the, the biggest beneficiary for federal programs, like federal school lunch programs, um, you don't know, right? And then you forget that you were surveyed. You forget that you somebody told you to fill out the census in 2015 because it's 2020 mm -hmm. and now you have to fill it out. So clearly there's yeah. there's a huge disconnect. And I think like the biggest issue is that Wisconsin received no funding to push the census forward. It's up to the overworked, mm -hmm. underpaid nonprofits to do all of this yeah. federal work. Um, and I mean, the census excuse was that they do send mailers that they sent seven mailers in a span of a month to somebody's household. Mm -hmm. And I personally don't think that's enough because you're not building a community's trust when you send mail. Yeah. Like you're not, you're not creating a, a connection between federal funding and the person at the door because you just sent them a piece of mail. So I understand that it's right. up to the nonprofits to create these canvas operations, but also there's no funding for these. We have to, fight for pennies and like sometimes even like fight each other for these pennies to be able to push out this this work and then to also yeah. pay canvases an equitable um, you know an equitable fund like to be outside in all of the, like the weather Absolutely. condition for Wisconsin so it's definitely a federal problem that people aren't receiving the accurate knowledge Because this is Bridget City, we asked Matt and Yuseli for action steps on how we can get involved in the census. We're big on relational organizing here, and so uh, getting three of your friends and family that maybe aren't, you know, civic engagement's not something that's on the top of their mind uh, to fill out the census and to vote in the upcoming spring elections. Um, we know that voter turnout is always lower in the spring. Um, the census comes once but every 10 years, so it's not on people's minds. So talk to your friends and family uh, about the importance of this and get out and participate in our democracy. If it's just three people living in your, for example, if it's three people living in your household, it takes less than five minutes to fill it out. Um, mm. Obviously, the time grows with the amount of people that live in your household, but we're encouraging people to just be patient with the questions as well. We noticed there's this huge question that it asks your race and then it asks mm -hmm. your like, um, 
your ethnic background, right? So we know that these questions can be limiting because one, it made me pick whether I was black, white, um, and I'm definitely not black or white, I'm brown, right? It doesn't give me that option. So I know that there's a huge undercount of black population and there's there's an overcount of a white population. So, um, and this is, you know, I'm not telling anybody how to fill out the census, but it, it it's like a personal thing. Like my mom is light skinned. So I remember in 2010, like we put that my mom was white. My dad is a little darker than I am. So we had to put that my dad was black and we put that I was black. So we know that some people might look at this question, find it intimidating, and then never go back to filling out the census because hmm. they did not know how to fill that part out. The census just mm -hmm. pushed back all of its field operations. Technically, the, the self-response rate um, or the self-response day to stop self-responding was going to be April 1st, but they pushed it forward. So people have until April 30th to fill out the census online on their own. Okay. But if you stopped halfway, there is a census enumerator that will be knocking on your door. Nobody since the 1970 census has been persecuted for not filling it out, but there is a fine mm -hmm. attached to not filling out the census. All right. So action step, fill out the census. <laughs> fill out the census. And then I know um, people are at a home now, right? So we use this term on the field called relational organizing where we push mm -hmm. community members to just talk to their family. Like you're at home right now, you're checking in on your people. So you can attach, hey, have you filled out the census yet to your conversation on the phone while you're checking in on people. People yeah. are more active on FaceTime. People are using Facebook Hangout more or uh, Google Hangout more. So just my biggest call to action is relational organizing. Who is in relationship to you that you can make sure that they filled out the census? And make it 10 people, right? If you can secure 10 people to fill out the census, you just secured over $100,000 over a span of 10 years back to your community. Um, that's the largest call yeah. to action I can have. And you're an organizer, right? So many people will message me like, hey, you Sally, I see you're really motivated and mobilized. I want to get involved, but I don't know how. Fill out the census and encourage 10 other people to fill out the census. Welcome to organizing. You know, it's not up, it's not up to the federal government to push people to you know, participate in their civic duty, but it's, it is yours as a resident. It is yours as somebody living in the United States to get counted, regardless of your legal status. Um, Absolutely. I think this is where representation matters and like being undocumented, I can't vote, but I know that the census also influences redistricting and the amount of legis the amount of representatives we have in the white house. So like, this is my one chance to actually participate in politics as somebody who's undocumented. Like this is my one chance to get counted and make sure that there is going to be a, another representative to represent me because I can't vote. Thank you, Matt and Yuseli for joining us and for Wisconsin Voices for lending us their space to record parts of this interview. And of course, thank you all for listening all the way to the end of the episode. And if you made it to the end of the episode and you haven't subscribed to Bridges City from wherever you get your podcasts, make sure to click that sub button and get Bridges City dropped on your feed every week. Also, if you haven't voted for the April 7th election yet, make plans to do so. I'll admit, this election cycle has been exceedingly confusing with polling places and procedures changing seemingly every day. But if you still haven't registered or requested absentee, please contact your friend Neil Obrecht at the Milwaukee Election Commission for details on how you can safely vote. And if you like what we're doing, Consider supporting us on Patreon at the $4.14 level. And of course, let us know that you are helping Bridge the City. <laughs>